raising family, which really has to do with raising your children. And since we have prayed, we just go straight into the discussion. Apostle Paul said something, he said, if I come to you speaking in an unknown language, it may not profit you. If I come, I might come in speaking with my knowledge. So this will be more like, since by virtue of age, I have gone through something, so I can say maybe I have some liberty to be able to share how we did it. I believe that will help some of the, you can see some of our younger ones that are just getting married, and some are just having little children. And then, so I broke it into three, three sections quickly. So that we play. And then many of us that when I say we well, already have all my children and they are out of the house, you might learn something and say, well, gee, maybe this is another thing that I could have introduced. Then maybe I can pass it to those as you're going to tell later. The first part I'm going to talk about is actually it's education. Education is what really raising the family, raising children is all about. You are educating them. So the first thing is spiritual education. Spiritual education. That is the first thing. And then the second thing is uh, the physical education. This is the schools. And then I will talk on something else: laying up investment for those children. This is the third part I'm going to talk about. It will be very brief. I'm not going to. I'll just give you one or two Bible verses that you can write down and look at it yourself. I said, education is what you are really trying to do when it comes to raising children. You are educating them. And under that education is discipline and so on. So when you say marriage, discipline, fighting, um, which you, you're spanking out too much, those are all part of this, but you have to. That is where we can break up into groups and discuss that how others have done it. it my, my, my spouse is beating my kids this way and too much. And those are disciplined things. That is under education also. But let me talk briefly on spiritual education. The Bible said, this train up a child in the way that he should go. When he gets, when he grows old, he will not depart from it. So it's simply saying you have to educate this kid in the spiritual way. You can read it later, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 to 9. Let me actually read that. Because that was the instruction that uh, the Moses wrote down when he was writing this. He told them that it's your responsibility. Actually, it was put on the Father. Deuteronomy chapter 6. If anybody see it before me, just read it out or something. December chapter 6, verse 6. It's right here. From verse 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. Verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house. And when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. So that is the instruction that uh, is telling you what is the word of God. He's saying we must teach it to our children every day, not once in a while. That is, don't leave it to the Sunday school. <laughs> Sunday, school Sunday school is good, but it's not enough. But this instruction is to the Father. 
And we, the Father, you know, it's your responsibility to do that. So, I'm so busy. Then you can delegate it to your wife. Not that you cannot delegate your wife to, to do this. I can give you my own, experience, my own testimony. From the first day that I got married, me and my wife would sit down and do Bible study daily. After every dinner. Bible study daily. And then when the first baby came, while she was in the bassinet, she would be right next to her. So she grew up seeing that. So the next one came, when she is in the bassinet, she is part of the Bible study daily. The Bible said, Tish, tell your child this thing that he has taught her. It's all, it may be story, but it, very soon it will turn into moral instructions. So that also includes the moral instructions. Let me read it again. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontless between thy eyes. So that is summarizing that the spiritual education is very, very important. That is the first thing I want to point out to all of us. And then, in line with that, you can also add some, let me just give some more inputs. That is also useful. Fathers, because this is what I've passed down to my, brother, my son-in-law. Bless your children. Someone say, well, maybe because you are a pastor, that's why you do that. This is something the Lord instructed me occasionally. I will call them and say, kneel down, let me pray over you. During the Bible study, not every day, during the Bible study, the Holy Ghost just me, for me, pray upon all these your children. I say, come one by one. Even the one that is in college now, in medical school, when she came the last time, I said, lay your hand upon him and pray for him. He said, come over, let me pray for you. Lay my hand upon him. Speaking because from the first day they were born, in fact, I remember the first day they came coming out, I was speaking in tongues as they give this baby to my hand. So, up to today, if she comes home with her children, come, let me lay my heart upon you. God said, Bless your children. When that boy thought, Well, I'm not really a minister, I said, No, you are a minister in your house, you fathers. One by one, you don't have to be every day. You don't go smoke on you. Let me lay my hand upon you. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You are invoking the spiritual Holy Ghost upon them. That is one of the things Lord made me to write down. Bless your children. And then, in support of that, never speak evil in anger. Never speak evil in anger because how can you bless and then curse? Because something went wrong, you begin to say bad things about this child. How they are this, how they are not doing this. Bless. Believe God that those prayers you have been praying over the years, they are there, they are going to take you. That's why the Bible says, pray your child. When he is old, he will not depart from it. So, as you bless, never speak evil. The second part of it is physical education. Physical means the schooling. The schooling. The school will tell you, the schools will tell you that they, expect, they want the parents to get involved in the children's education. You cannot abrogate that to just the teachers in the high schools, in the grade school. You must get involved. Most of the time, the wives or the mothers are the ones that have time to go. In real what we call parents, teachers, 
meetings. Yeah, and the parents perhaps have the moms always go there. But that is good. The moms have, if you have the time, you can also go there to make sure you because that's where they tell you oh, your child is doing well or your child is disruptive, so get involved. If they point out something about your child, take action. Very important. And the same way, get involved in the because one of the reasons why they are calling you to come and listen, the teachers in the schools in this country, come and listen, they'll tell you what their program for next year for your children will be as you go to the next class. They want you to get involved in the homeworks and so on. And I try to do that most of the time and up till now those who go to high school where maybe you don't know much about this or you, you don't know much about the mathematics but get involved checking their grades and if you see something is not going well try to correct it from your house that is what they mean when they say they want you to get involved if you say why did you make a D when you are A students what's happening oh I didn't turn in my homework on time or why didn't you turn your homework on time so if you follow it or you don't let it because they give those grades for every, every quarter. Before the end of the semester, they could have given you a second or semi-grade. So you have to keep your eye on those things. So you parents, the teachers expect that to be coming from the parents. But you know, because many parents are not doing that. That's what the teachers are trying to pass Get involved in their education. The homeworks, very important. Also, try to do, if you can help them with the homework, good. I try to help, even though I'm man, almost 40 years in high school, but I still can remember those physics. And then when they get to the stage and they couldn't do the homework, I say, bring it to me first. Let's see whether I cannot help you solve it. Oh, algebra, okay, bring it to me first. I'm talking about from the elementary up through to the high school, you need to be involved in this education system. For one reason, they ought to be, if they are children of God, you have raised, God said, I, I, I want that holy seed. That's why he made you to be holy. And you and your spouse being holy, God wants that holy seed. Then, they also have to be on top, academically also, because you have to be head and not tail. But you've got to get involved to keep them ahead. Very important, that's why I said, in those things, if they don't make the grades, the education, the next level will be difficult. I mean, they have to make those grades. I'm talking about the A, B, C, that you know, you want them to be A students. And if they were, you say, they are not assimilating it. That's one of the reasons about the prayer. Somebody say, well, everybody, has, some of the people, some kids have talent, so you know, they easily make A's. But this one seems to be struggling. It's always making some B's. Do you know you can change that by, that's what I say when you pray. You are blessing them every other night or every time you lay your hand upon them and pray over them. You are praying, provide, no pro, no, just invoke blessing. When you see something is not going on in the education, it seems this one is not understanding it. Don't try to say, well, it's the teachers. No, you pray over that child. Because somebody is making A and this child is making C. The same teacher in the same class, then you pray over yours and put the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon them. So that prayer helps. And that's one of the things, that's one of the things I, I have done over the years for the physical education. Then, the other thing that I want to point out in that is also get them busy. Busy, especially when they are passing into the teenage years. 
in the teenage years, get them occupied for me with sports and any other extracurricular activities. Because an idle hand is a tool for the enemy. I've passed through some in my neighbor, you see some kids in their teen, 10, 12, 13. Running after the school hours, they just hang around there chatting, four of them, five of them. I wonder, they don't have nothing to do. And even the city will tell you, the city tries to gather them together and try to make them do some sports. Get them busy. That is where you also have to get involved in that environment. Get them busy when it comes to... And the other thing is some people just allow them to watch TV and TV becomes what you are... What is uh, parenting these kids? That is a danger. That is a danger. You can start training when they were in the little, when they are still little, with the Christian videos, Christian. There are many of those even on TV. Like on Saturday, they have go to TBN. They have all Christian things. Those are going to give them both education and also moral training. But just giving them on TV and let them stay there and thinking that's busy, that's not going to be busy that I'm talking about. Get them involved in the sports, if it's going to be sports. And let me point out one out. The city has sports. We have been in this country right now when the kids were just being born here. There are sports events, sports after school hour sports events in the city that you can enroll your children into. Then it means you have to spare time to take them there. So that is part of the investment I'm going to talk about in the next part. You're going to have to invest time for these children to take them to this, enroll them, let them try every sport. Ping pong, they have some tournaments in that, or soccer, basketball, tennis, baseball. Let them, let them try everything because that is going to, number one, keep them busy instead of idleness, which is going to keep them away from trouble if they keep it on during the time, during their teenage years. Also, it can go into getting scholarship if you invest time on those sports. After, the, after you watch that they are, in, they are good in a particular one, any of those sports, let them try all of those when they are in their two, three, four, five, they started from five years old. After you have seen that, oh, this boy is good in soccer, then invest time. Okay, you say, well, this one is good. Do you, sometimes you, they cannot not be good in one single sport. You have to have to divide your time, take this one to the soccer, this one to baseball. Many parents invest those time because, number one, during the time of that teenage years when you know kids become rebellious, you can keep them away from trouble if they are getting busy in some of the sports. Number, that's the first thing. Number two, if you invest some money for special coaching, they can even, that can become scholarship for them when they are getting out of high school. That can get you scholarship so that you save someone. I'm going to give you my testimony because that was all my kids went through that and then all of them are enjoying scholarships. All of them from the first one up to the last one. The last one is now in high school. She is believing God is going to get scholarship. I said no problem. Well, we have seen, we have done three. And they all got scholarship on sports. And the fourth one, also I say, well, the fifth one become easy after you have done the fourth, second, and third. The fourth one is a well, no problem. So that's why I said you have to get involved. While there, you have to, you have to learn this thing because you are talking America. This is America. 
I'm saying to you Africans, this is America. So they get into pro. So they start learning when they are five years old. If you go to any of these streets, those basketball boys, every afternoon they are shooting. And they will do this thing that they see on TV and they are really learning it. Yeah, that means by the time they get to high school, they are so good. So if your kid is going to compete with them for scholarship, they have got to be doing the right five when they are five years old also. Every sport in America. That's why the parents in America they invest in this. So if you are just talking of recreation, you don't need to do it. If not just for if you want for scholarship, they've got to be competing where all of the kids are competing. So that's why I said you then during that time they invest money in, in the coaching. Next door to us there is what they call so they call this soccer team. It's a soccer team. And people pay a lot of money to make their children be members of that soccer team. Next door, you know that? That's the next thing. Door, they just entered this next building. Because when my daughter Rebecca went to play soccer, he tried, she tried out with them. But their money is so expensive. They want you to pay some big money just to be a member. So you have to know how much your pocket can go and so on. But it's still investment. And I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes about investment, investing in the children. But after, but about the education, is what I'm saying, getting involved in things just to keep them away from trouble. And then very important is they need to make the grades. No matter how good you make them in sports, they still have to make that grades. Because in high school, they won't let them play if they don't make a grade, the good grades. In college, they can, they can be great basketball player, football player, they must make some grades. That's the rule, NCAA rule. So that is why you need to get involved in their education to make sure they are making the grades, they are studying, they are doing their own work, they can manage this own work along with the sports they begin to get involved in. But that takes that your father must be there all the time to make sure that you, you get your, your own two percent inside it and watch that they are doing their own work and they are turning it in and when they couldn't get it right you are there to read it and see how you can help them work it the one you know I know, I know mathematics, I know physics so I, that part of it I will help them English, you know, they can handle that on their own history, they have to just make sure they are studying all of the other ones they can, and if you know better on those you can also help them if you see where their grades are falling short, you step in. Some people will pay for tutoring. But what I'm saying is I like get involved. Now the last part of what I'm talking about now is the investment in the children. There are two types of investment. You can put money aside for, for college now. I've talked now from grade school through to high school. It's free in America. Not like Africa. I mean, Nigeria, you've got to pay for somebody to go to high school. Okay, that's tuition, tuition fees. But in America, all those are free up to high school. But when you get to go to college, it's a big money. When I came in 1980s, to go to Arizona State University, if you are a resident in Arizona, it's chicken money. You just pay what they call registration fee, and you will be there like under $1,000. Now, I just checked it yesterday, it's about $10,000 tuition for the residents. If you are in in-state, 10000 for a year just for tuition. Now, if they are going to dormitory, add 8000 to that. So it's $18,000 a year. Oh, I would like someone to give me that for free so that I can, a scholarship, no sir. 
So that is why it becomes a serious money investment need for you to to send children to college. So they are encouraging everybody to set some money aside right from now when they are still two years old, begin to put some money aside. Some people around the, the cities and the states have so many things they call 529, I think it's 529, 529 plan that will be maybe deferred interest or deferred tax. That if you put this money, you open an account in the name of that child and you put money there little by little. As you can put money there, $10 every time you get a paycheck, automatically deducted and let them put it there for you. And it accumulates for 18 years. Well, from the time the child is born, that's when you start doing it. Well, I learned this after they were already in high school. So I tried to do a little bit and I saved some money. But by the time they were about to go there, I only have maybe 6000 That won't do nothing much. But it helps. So it's not too late to start. And if you can do it when they start, when they come alive, you just put something and put an account in there and put it to put money in there gradually. That is one way at least for college education. This, the good thing about the 529 is if you, are, if you have an account for this child and at the end of the 18 year the child gets scholarship, you can change that owner to the next child. And if you have an account for all the three of them, that's even better. You add this one that is got free education to this one, so you have double money now for her in case she doesn't get scholarship. No, so and you can do that, and if all of them go to, you can transfer it to your grandchildren as, men, as long as the name is still the same. So that is the rule on that 529. So that is a good thing. And if you don't know about the five, if you know about that 529, if you don't know about it, go and check it out. Just Google 529 plan. So that is one thing that you need to do, and it's very heady, very useful. And the other part of it is the custodian. The custodian is actually you have already given it to this child. You open a custodian account with all of these uh, what called, fidelity and all those that. And that means money I have here is for this child and it's his or hers. That's called custodian account. When she becomes adult, it's hers. You can take it and give it to somebody else. But the 529 is an educational plan. So you can take it from this one and give it to the next person, change the name. The law allows that. And you can read Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22 on this, talking about a good man living in inheritance for his children's children. So that is a form of inheritance. The other second I want to talk about is the investment. I've already talked about it. This is investing in money. The other one is investment of your time and money to bring them for scholarship, which is these sports and the investment is going to be your time mostly and then also the money you are going to pay for the push some people say well if you save this money you might send your children to school by themselves some people spend too much in this coaching thing but you have to remember you may have to travel because some of this to make them good and be fit for college it's not going to be limited to just Arizona you are, if they are really good they're going to have to be in nationwide tournaments because they always some good colleges go to everywhere to recruit students when they are junior in the high school. But with the Lord's help, you can still manage that and you will still be able to come out good. So that is one thing that is an investment in time. And when you get to that stage and they are looking for scholarship, you need to know that there are some websites where they can actually get some scholarships which everybody can 
search for fastweb.com and the search you will see some scholarships something like one thousand one time shots two thousand dollar one time shots if you if they some of those you just they just have to write an ESC and, and apply and if they qualify and they get it that adds up from the other money that you already see but the scholarship the athletic one is very important and it's very useful because uh, we also have experiences where some colleges will give your child what you call academic scholarship that's the one that say you she is so good in college yes great straight A's and they want to give him or academic scholarship and when it goes to that the based on how much performance how much is his parents or her parents are making also so the first year we know a friend Duke University gave full ride scholarship for the academics academics is the one where he has straight A's and so on full ride for academics but they always base it on need also they say they have to ask her well, what, how much is your parents making and they say well if he is making under this amount they give the full ride the first year. Second year they will say how much is your parents making if that man has made more money and it's just above and the way he has to come up with some ten thousand. So now the man says geez ten thousand to give the rest. So they don't want to give the full ride all the time because it's for four years and they are doing it per year. So academic scholarship sometimes is not full. But sports scholarship is always full. The athletic one is always full. So that's why you have to say that hey well if I'm going to get academic scholarship make sure you the, the assignment is going to be four years but most of the time the, the athletic one is more profitable it's just he has to just play it's also yearly it's also yearly the only reason why they will withdraw it is because the fellow refused to obey their rules and it's not performing if they get injury and they couldn't perform, they couldn't play they can't take that scholarship for that first year but if he gets well and is able to play next year they will still make him get that scholarship so that is how don't some of the But investment in the life of the children start right when they are little. Money investment are pulling apart. If you want to go into sports, like I said, there are two things the sports can do for you. The most important part to me is get them out of trouble during that teenage years. You all know what goes on, not just the girls, the boys. In the neighborhoods, in many places, they go into drugs and many other things. But when they are busy, finish your own work, we are going for basketball practice where the coach is there and the parent is there just watching or it's baseball practice now they have no time for some neighborhood gangs and those are all the things that you are keeping them away from trouble and the city recommended that's why the city builds some of these places for the kids in fact the city builds some places here where they can be roller skating and it becomes something they can be there's a tournament for that now like almost like they can become professional roller skaters Right there across the school there on Fortier Street, they have a place built because they want to keep these teenagers busy. But the teenagers have to go there and participate, not just to stay, they have to sign up to participate in the competition. But then it gets into their head, they are more into roller skating than gangs. So think about those things. These are all the things we also have done that we make your in my own case, my own case just going to tennis and the next one, the second one. When Rebecca she wanted to go into soccer. So we try all the soccer clubs and they asked me for money. When we saw a ship one, they are more Mexico, so we took out Mexicans. I took her there for almost two years until she changed her mind. She didn't want to play soccer anymore. Okay, tennis, so we'll come back to tennis. 
and she went with the coach and now she's in college playing tennis for her school. And the good thing is there are so many scholarships in sports everywhere over this nation, not localized in Arizona. Because you say, well, that is out of state. But you, they can, you can get more scholarships, especially for the girls out of state in sports than in Arizona. So that's why I'm just, you know, just put up my heart that think, talk about this for this now. This is the summary of all I wanted to say, but we can now discuss this since we have a lot of, not, not too much time. We can actually discuss if you have questions. So we can discuss, especially in that type of, instead of breaking into groups and discussing, we can turn into question and answer. Especially that of spiritual education, because that includes moral education. That includes disciplining your children. How should you discipline them? So if you want us to break into groups and discuss that, that's fine. How, how many minutes do we have? How long do we see this normal stage? About one thirty? Or we can just ask questions and answers. Yeah. So we can ask questions and answers. No, sir. So if people want to ask questions, ask uh, if you think you yeah, want to. Can yeah, anybody can answer it. Okay, questions, yeah, Sister Emma's question. Physical education, spiritual education, investment, just ask questions anyway. Yeah, my question is about uh, investing time in your kids, like taking them to sports practice, picking them up. Uh, I've been there, done that. And it's, it, sometimes it's very demanding on the parents, yep. especially if you have a job. Yep. If you go to work, if the mother goes to work and then come back and the child has to go to sports and they have to be picked up, uh, sometimes it's, you're tired, you, you just, yep. so how do, you, how do you deal with that? Anybody can answer that. This is, this is the reality. It's the reality in life. In my office there, I, there's a woman, she works for Cigna, but she's like a... She was telling me the same type of thing. She works as a counselor in her office for health counselor. And our daughter plays soccer with this club that is next door. And I said, oh yeah, that's how we, that's how we got to get. She has to go to work and come back. Basically, you have to find a way because that thing starts around 5 p.m. or 4 p.m. Then how do you get this girl to soccer and is the parent? It's almost the same thing. You have to figure out a way of juggling time. It's many of these girls, many of these young people right now, my wife, my daughter, for example, she has to work and my husband has to do that. They have to put this one aside and you stay here for a while. And they are doing it. You, and some people, you've got to figure out a way. If you, you have to know that is this very important. How can we get him or her there to this sport activity? It's not every day, though, remember? You can say, well, it's just twice a, a week and many people many people are you can google on, on the internet what my sister asked is common it's common that people having situations it's just the same thing in life when you have marriage and when you have husband and wife working there may be not enough time so but if you know that this has to be done you just have to find a way how can i do this can i drop her off and go back home or because it starts around mostly 4 p.m 4 p.m till about 6 p.m some of them can start at 6 p.m. also. Yeah, she wants to ask. <laughs> I think what some of the parents do sometimes is to uh, have 
came up with other parents. Yep. Like they drop off the kids pick and you pick them up. Yeah. You team up with the parents or something. And uh, what I did when I was raising my kids, I actually looked at uh, some parents around the time that I was raising my kids. I looked at uh, Sister Stella. She was a stay-at-home mom. She took her, every morning she would take her kids to run. They would run like three miles every day. I, I didn't have that time to do, to do that. And she could do it because she was a stay-at-home mom. I looked at Sister Esther. She was a stay-at-home mom. Her kids, you know, were doing very well because she had the time to take care of them. And Sister Philani, I need to say. And then I looked at Sister Grace. She was a stay-at-home mom too. And she would drive her kids to, to Tucson. <laughs> My weekend, I was so tired, Tucson, forget it. I can't even do that. So I decided, I talked to my husband, look, if these kids that have their parents, I mean, especially the mom, has the time to help them, they're going to do better than somebody that goes to work, especially the mother, goes to work eight to five, you're tired, you can't do anything, you're useless when you get home. So we have to rethink this thing. Is it worth my time to be to uh, go to work? Then I was paying minimum wage, getting minimum wage. Is minimum wage worth my time or raising my kids? So we discussed it, and I decided to quit my job. So it took me six months. Six, take six months to think about it. So you don't say I'm the one that told you to quit your job. So I thought about it. And said, <laughs> I thought about it. That was after I had shame. So after I had Shady, I quit my job for 10 years. I did not go back. I, I started taking my kids to school, picking them up. I started looking at everything they were doing. Uh, hopefully I can salvage whatever is left. You know what I mean? So that was what I did. So it, it has a help. Not too many uh, mothers can do that to stay home. But I noticed that after that, these parents, these mothers went back to school. They're now accountants. They're now nurses. And they had time to study after that. But the, the father had to be able to provide enough money for the, I mean, for the household to, to, to be in function around that time. Praise yeah. God. Uh, you have a question or just? Uh, pretty much said, I was just going to say the same thing that when uh, Michael was doing football, I had to team up with the parent that lived on our street. At one week, she would drop them, one week I would drop them. I had a schedule, so I picked the days that I was busy, and we just worked it out that uh, since they live on the same streets, mm -hmm. you know, doesn't, you know, and so that's the suggestion is just working with some of the parents. Thank you. Well, it's going to swap them. You have to figure out any other question. Right. Uh, Pastor, I wanted you to talk a little bit. I know you mentioned that. Uh, about kids not watching television. television. Mm. Actually, what we experience now, kids don't watch TV anywhere, but they got so much more things that take up their time and time itself. Even though sometimes we have to chase them to just go outside and play. On computer. Because they have the computer, they have the iPad, they have. I mean, you can't tell them to go to your room anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, uh, in fact, it's not punishment. It's good for you when you can go to your room. Yeah. So how do you start addressing some of those type of things? Anybody want to answer on that? Yeah, I can answer that. Okay. 
So, so I think you can, the iPad, the I personally think that sometimes you don't have to give the kids the iPad. Mm -hmm. I, I personally don't touch the iPad during the working two weeks during. Yeah, I, I can give you on uh, 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 weekend, you can do iPad or like watch out games or something like that, maybe three hours on, on, on the weekend or four hours. But I don't leave my kids with an iPad running around the house. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Exactly. My wife will support that because she has that rule. Let me let that say it, Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. I've been enjoying the discussion so much. <laughs> <laughs> There's no single way, but as somebody designer in your heart, you know, the Lord will always make a way. I remember when we have the children, I was, uh, I want to go to work too. I even tried. So that was when the little one, she was like maybe two years old. I just graduated from school and I got this job, but it wasn't for me. The child, I'll have to go, I have to get to work by 5 a.m. So when I come back, maybe around 4 p.m., have breakfast, they give it to her, everything on the table, she won't eat anything. Always getting sick. So I, you know, I know that I won't be able to continue that job. So I pray that God give me something that I will be able to be working from home and I'll still be keeping an eye on them. So the Lord kind of uh, guided me to this real estate that I'm doing and it has been a blessing. It's like I can be anywhere, any place in there and I'll still get my job done. So as long as you desire in your heart that this is what I want and it's the best thing for you, we open up that so, the television and everything is like right from when they are little. What, what you do, what you are not used to, they are not going to miss it. So, if they are not used to, you know, being just being in front of the television, they are not going to, as they are growing up, they don't miss it. For my kids, I make a rule for them. During the school days, they don't turn on the TV. So, if you do well, you know, Monday through Thursday, everything is good. From Friday to Saturday, watch everything you want to watch. So they get in fact because they are not even missing anything. Sometimes they don't even remember. They don't take you on. So well, let me quickly correct you said watch everything you want to watch. Not watch everything you want to watch. <laughs> because I because that is when I come home. And then I put my own rule on what they can watch. <laughs> Where is the law? <laughs> so, <laughs> kind of balance it. We've learned in our house as well. Um, we have a big old TV anyway that doesn't have cable, so TV's not too interesting in our house anyway. So we do it like that on purpose. Craig um, cannot watch TV during the week, and he can watch it for two hours at a time on Friday or Saturday, so he has to choose if there's a game on, or something else that he wants to watch, and then we go in there to see what he's watching. And then we strategically plant David in the living room because he always changes the channel, and he gets him uninterested, so the TV goes off anyway. Um, we did take the cell phone away, because I remember when we were growing up, we didn't have cell phones, and we survived. And in our house, you have to use your computer in a shared family area. So there's two laptops, only we can log on to them, and if Craig has homework to do, then we're always in the presence in the living room where we're watching. Because we have to be mindful of pornography and all the things that are being marketed toward our children. So I never leave him on the internet alone. And I, I think it's different for everybody. You just have to know your children. 
and I know my children and I know what we're up against as a family. So a lot of times he's mad at me, but we can just keep it real strict in the house. And then during the week, I keep him really busy. He has to volunteer. He has to go to football practice. He goes to family business. It's always something that we try to keep him doing. And I've just seen a big turnaround in him from being so involved from what he was two years ago when he came back here to what he is now. And by the time he gets home at night, he puts himself in bed at 7.30. So he's asleep and out by 7.30. We don't say go to bed, get up. And also, even on the weekends, I have a strict policy where he has to be out of the bed latest 8 o'clock. 6 a.m., he has to wake up an hour and a half before school starts. Because I want him to know that when we're not around anymore, that he's diligent and he wakes up early and handles his business and goes about his day. So even on the weekends, he has to be up early and has to, to be going by 8 o'clock. So, we've seen a big difference. Any other question? Contribution question? Contribution? Oh, yes. So, Pastor, um, my question is for my son, which um, uh, is nine. Uh, I'm beginning to notice that he feels that he has a lot of work to do because his school has a lot of homework. Then we have like an after school, like come on, gives you, you go in twice a week, but you have to have work every single day from Monday through Sunday, you know, like the whole week. The sports? So, no, like written work, math, language, stuff oh, like okay. that. So I, on, on a specific occasion, it's like, it seems like all I do is study. <laughs> And I'm wondering if there, you know, at some point that, you know, is there something you do that is too much as far as education or is there another way you can, you know, reduce it? I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. Like, it feels like sometimes I'm pushing him too hard. You know, other times it feels like, you know, I feel like, okay, this is the right thing to do. You just have to do it. Okay, so what you're, what you're saying is uh, some extra educational thing. Yo, I, I do give him, you know, he has, the school, school, he has, he goes to lessons like Kumon, like, it's more like, he has work from Monday to Sunday, so every week, in addition to his homework, okay. he has extra work that he has yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah, you see, that's, that's a good thing, it's not just to keep him busy in that case, because I, what you are saying is that, there are some people that are doing even what you are saying, that I've heard of, it may be in spelling B, but that's still something towards some academic achievement. Or maybe it's in a piano lesson, it's something towards academic achievement, because this also is busy and basis. It shouldn't con con consume all his life that is what you call burnout. You have to wash out for burnout. Even in sports, even in sports, if you push them and they are getting born out, they are not going to be interested in them, then you are now pushing them. Some parents do that and some that you have read about. So you don't want to make them born out. But if start something they enjoy. So that's why when we are talking about sports, if you see them go through all these types of sports and they so much like this one, then that's the one you want to invest in to keep them busy. If it is academic, extra academic thing that will make them to be on top of everybody in the school, it may be, or, or, I don't know what other academic things, some tutorials of extra lessons, and you see that they really enjoy it, then you can put their time onto that. 
So you have to watch that when they are growing up. It's already nine years, not too late. It's not too late. But when they are growing up, watch them and say, yes, this is what this boy, if the boy has passion for mathematics, and you say, wow, he has so much passion, then you know that, well, he can actually be getting scholarship in this alone, then you can put more time to, ooh, extra, so that he's, on, he's ahead of the class. I know there are some tutorials like that's why I thought you're talking about because whatever you think is Monday to Sunday that he is doing, maybe it's towards that. But if if he seems to be pushing back, maybe he's getting burned out. Then you can try to relax a little and say maybe if we so we have to figure that one out because I don't know much detail about that. Example. Anybody else? Come to well me. I wanted to say a little bit that believe me, my wife and I we struggle with this a lot. I mean, Raising children, I'm the one that might say there's a textbook somebody will write when they come out, say, Here's the manual, follow it by the instruction. The other thing I know about, I try to find a little bit of a balance for them, uh, just because I, the way I was raised, I mean, academics was very highly stressed. At the same time, uh, athletics and balance, it has to be some type of balance to round out, to round out the young. A person, because I think, like Pastor here, you know, he keeps going to sports. Personally, for me, I think it's a great thing for kids. Teach them how to compete. Teach them how to respect each other. Teach them how to work together as a team. Uh, you put that balance in there. But I know I'll share a quick story. We ha- I had a friend with, uh, that uh, where they pushed the young man to play sports all his life. He. Uh, was quite good at it, rose to be actually, got drafted to play the pros and he didn't want to play. He was burnt out. Just didn't want to play. I mean, he got, and this is the dream, most parents dream for their child to be drafted to play professional ball. And he said, no, and I had a chance to talk to him. And he said, I've been playing since I was two, three years old. I don't want to play anymore. I'm tired. Now I can make my own decisions with my, my parents pushing me, I'm gonna, not going to play. And the dad had a huge time with dealing with it, but he, didn't, he, didn't, he never did, he never did uh, report. So I don't have an answer for this thing, that's why this thing is really good what we do here. Uh, uh, but I've always thought some, some type of a balance, where is that sweet medium sometimes is a little fuzzy, but as we go, we just have to keep praying for God to show us the direction on where to find that balance. Praise God. If I would comment on that, yes, if I would comment on that real quick. You see, the, the, the one thing I said about this is this. You have to have a, don't shoot for, if you are looking for the money, pro, yeah, that's the money part of it. For me, I just want them to get out of trouble that is the first level during that teenage years. The second level is if they can get scholarship out of it, that's good too. That's the second level. Now the third level is if they can get the pro, that's great also. Not so. So after the, I know another, another brother here that has his son, not a Muslimist, but one of the Nigerian brain, has his son become great in sports, football, in college. He played in college. And they wanted him in the pro, and he refused too. He refused. His daddy would be scratching. He said, "This is when you can make money." I said, well, "If you want it, it's your purpose, you will say." Yeah. But he has already gotten two achievements. 
One, two, the first and the second. So once you have gotten that, you are to me, I'm relaxed. The other one you didn't get into progress, getting a job after college, that's, that's good enough. So that's why I said, know your goal. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, actually, I have a 14 years old boy in Lagos, and um, Precious has round up his secondary school. We're trusting in God that within now and next day we'll move into university. But the challenge has been over oh, 14 years, so he's still very young. You know, so how do we get them engaged? And before now, one of the things we do is that Precious loves to play drum. He's been playing drum at the age of seven, eight, and he's very good at it now. And not only that, I, I realized that the young man loves dogs. So what we do is that the first dog, I bought him the first dog. He's doing very well in, you know, in, his, in his studies. Then we got him the first dog, got him the second dog. And I realized that those dogs now makes him more mature and get him more busy. Not only that, he sells dogs to make money. I'm serious. So, 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 so I realized that, I thought I was doing that to Precious, my, my son, 14 years old. But now my 12 years old girl has a big garden in the house now. That for the past six months, most of the vegetables we've been eating in the house has been from that garden. I'm serious. Initially, I didn't encourage her, but I realized when I came to America the last time, mommy has a garden. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not sure, but Obama said everybody should have a garden. So I just I wasn't taking that serious. But I thought that everybody would just go on my on the pastoral line, on the real estate. But Precious is not interested in the real estate. He's more interested in dogs, in animals. <laughs> so sometimes it's always good if, if we are, the mom used to push the young boy very hard. Yeah, he has done very well in his studies. But I realized that there should be a, you know, a landing pad whereby you know I decided to go on the dog's path. So he asked like four or five dogs. <laughs> which is breathing and is selling. Anytime he sells the dogs, and you realize that most of his passion, anytime he sells those dogs, he uses the money to buy things for the church. He uses the money to buy things, you know, he can buy any, anything for the church. So, so at the end of the day, you realize that apart from, you know, studying hard, there's another part of their life that we, you know, we've allowed them to experience. So I, I want parents to be, you know, to be flexible. Let them go for studies, but at the same time, look at what they are interested in doing. Yeah. And that will help the matter out. Praise God. Praise God. I want us to also address a point. Many of us have raised children that have grown up and left the house. Maybe we did things right, or maybe we didn't do things too right. Relationship with those children, they are still our children. And not where they should be. And uh, we've been helping out in our discussion today to the younger generation that are still having children. What can parents do who have grown up kids, have learned, and they are not having good relationship with them? They cannot go back and pull back the clocks, but we want to see if we can do because I know that there are some in the house that doesn't have young children. And I want them to benefit. What can we do? How can we repair our relationship with our children who have grown up and let it go? Praise God. Praise God. Anybody else want to any talk, talk a bit on that? And I know my son wants to say something else. 
my 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 first my my first response to that is prayer. But let me see what Sister Christine wants to comment. I'm not going to address the issue for us but I'm just going to talk in mind what we're talking about. Yeah. I believe in balance. Yeah. Balance, balance, balance. A child should be well rounded. Not just all academics, not just all sports. There has to be a medium. Yeah. You know, for them to have a very healthy lifestyle yeah. in future. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I remember I have three kids. My oldest Opo. You know, one of the things, one of the times I went to that school to for the parents teachers needed, the teachers were very impressed with her. They were like, you know, she just she's a well-rounded child and she really is. It has made her the strong person she is today. It has made her the independent person she is today. Academically she was sound. Socially she was sound. She knew what she wanted. She played different sports. She played different instruments. We made her play piano clarinet, you know, violin, and we put her into all kinds of things, and that has made her turn out to be who she is, and we thank God for her today. You know, O'Shea on his own, he was very good academically, and he kind of went into sports, you know, and uh, didn't go too far with that, and decided on playing instruments, which was, I mean, which is his passion, and that's what he's doing today, and he's very, very happy about it. And they all did very well in school. You know, O'Neill is their friend. He loves sports. And he's very good academically. But for some time now, we saw that his academics is suffering. So we kind of pushed, you know, back at him. You know, that we need to get this. Just like you were saying, the whole book, are you turning it in? You know, are you, you are doing it, but did you turn it in? You know what I mean? Yeah. You listen to what the teachers are saying, you follow up, you stay on top of it. Yeah. That's the way to go. You have to stay on top of them. You can't give up. Yeah. Every child is different. They are not all the same. You can't treat this child the way you treated the other one. If you do it, you will run into trouble in the future. They will turn around and they will turn against you. And you do not want that. You want that good relationship. You know, you want to keep that door open. Oh, yes. You know, and keep praying for them. And keep praying that the Lord should give us wisdom, you know, as we raise these children. Because they are not all the same. And to follow now to answer our brother's question, which I will let you comment on that because this is another good thing. Say for those who have children that have grown out of the house and there is no good relationship between the parents and the children, which could have been a build up. They're looking back at how their parents pushed them or didn't push them or did this and they didn't do that, and there was anger raised up among them. If that has already been the case, the parents have to first recognize it. If you keep saying, I'm the parents, I'm the parents, that's pride. As believers, humility is what God has commanded from the beginning. So pride is not, shouldn't be the issue. You've got to be humble. And if you recognize that, if a parent recognizes that there's a bad relationship, she first go and search herself and himself. So what is the cause of this bad relationship? And if you can humbly go before the Lord and let the Lord shine the light into the heart, you might see where you, instead of saying that is a rebellious child, you are, that's pointing finger, that child is just terrible, different from the rest. And you think that one it was something, no, first look at yourself, maybe you did something wrong. Some parents have said some subliminal things in the past. 
that stay with that shout that why are you not like these other kids and that's the, my friends who lost in my life we have some kids hung in their heart for a long time that make them to be more rebellious because the parents are comparing this one with the rest and chastising her or him with words that you are just not good you are not like a and then when they go out they go to be rebellious those are the ones they don't want to talk to that parent anymore and those are the things if after the parents see that maybe he wants to first recognize it humbly realize that it's own, her own fault and then extend as love for the grace to be able to apologize you see wait I don't want to talk to you anymore we have situation like that where somebody was telling us I don't want to talk to them anymore it's over I said oh gee prayer then of course somebody may have to ask help from the Lord how to go about it to get through to that child that is now adult and try to get them back into relationship talking again after the fellow don't be ashamed to apologize to your children don't be ashamed to apologize if you are wrong and that is pride if you refuse to apologize at any level that's what the scripture says it's not just talking to children obey your parents good but for parents or anybody you must be able to accept your fault if you know you are the one at fault don't try to say well this is a child as rebellious no. now they are adults they are not adults if you go to before the law it, it 19 year old is an adult if it's fighting against a 75 year old it's adult or adult <laughs> the police treat them as adults that's what I'm saying so the same way the law said that so now you are not up to if you are going to apologize apologize for that fault and then let the, uh, the baby or the young child young adults apologize for his own fault that's how the religion can continue but come back to the bible humility and then stretch out stretch for your hand and try to get the this thing back pastor I think your wife he said no you want to say something? Somebody wants to comment on this again? Okay, I'll question. Yeah. Some people have spoken. Some people have spoken. Who else has? Anybody else? Oh, a question. Okay. Question. Yeah. At times, we, the parents, the way we were raised up is different from the way our kids are being raised these days. Um, I will need a suggestion on how to go about this. If you have a son or a child that has the tendency of being very smart, but they have it in mind, oh, um, they don't have to study. Because when I, when I was raised, we go to school, we come back home, you relax and you go for extra lessons. That is just the pattern. Even though no matter how smart you are, you still have to read. But if you have a child that has the tendencies, maybe straight a student, but does not believe in study, I don't have to grab that. Can I answer that real quick? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 answer. So I wanted to answer that because Michael. Very, very smart. Yeah. And history and everything. Yeah. For his finals, he doesn't study or whatever. He makes sure he study, but he just gets distributed. So we have a, 
I guess we have a difficult time with him understanding he still needs to study because he just gets the and just get the grade. Well, let me answer that. Yeah. I know, that's what that's our Let me answer that. Well, you see, that is, that is, let's call that a talent. There's nothing wrong with that. If you still want him to read, you only want him to read ahead. That's all you have to tell him about that. Let me, no, let me talk about I'm not saying you're going to force it, but the, you have to have an, a goal now. The goal is not just reading, the goal is not just reading. Set him a higher goal. Set him an higher goal. Point to some people that finish high school at the age of 12. In this college, there are some kids that get to college at the age of 12, 13. Which means they were doing advanced at a low level. If I'm so, if you say you're so smart, maybe you should shoot for that. But for to shoot for that, you have to read your algebra in grade school. Not so. Self-teaching. If he took that challenge, if he takes that challenge, he might go for it and say, "Gee," and apply to college SAT. My son, the, when he did SAT, when he did uh, seventh grade, and they saw he was, he was actually it was the high school entrance. They noticed the high school entrance. They did high school entrance, and he asked the question. They said, "Gee, you should you should do SAT." SAT. He has done in junior college, in junior high school. They said there's a program, they just like, oh, I never heard about it. There's a program at the University of so and they gave us the information. This boy should do SAT at 7th grade, 8th grade? Yeah. They call it a clinical search for, ex- searching for excellence. Okay, I'll pay for SAT. So I asked him to do the SAT. And it's one university in Maryland that's doing that. And they did the SAT. If you score this level at SAT at that level, they want you to come and begin to take college level. Well, that's how some people do it. That you can begin to take college level in high school. But say we have to have that goal. But that's not the goal I have for him. So I say, well, because actually it's more money for that. You have to pay more money to, <laughs> to take those colleges. So that's why I'm saying you can take another level and say, well, you say you don't want to study. You don't have to be studying something you can know of it. I know this already because I, somebody gave me the talent is there. I already know this thing they are teaching me. I don't need to study. Well, tell him about the next level. That if he can actually graduate and do SAT at the age of 14 without, and go to college. People have done that. Yes. So I was, I was kind of the same way in school. I didn't have to study and I got really good grades. The challenge that, that I, would, I would say that you need to really pay attention to is they get bored really quick because they're, they don't have to try, they don't have to work. So I was the same way. You know, I just got bored and I ended up getting in trouble and you know, going off and, and doing some of the things. I wasn't in sports. You know, so I would encourage him to do other things other than just academics to help take up that extra time so he doesn't do the same thing that I did. You know, go out and get in trouble. That's all I'd add to that. Very good. That's it. Yeah, I'd like to contribute on several of the areas that have been talked about. I'll start with the case because it's my grandson. I think the <clears throat> one important thing is what has been mentioned. Uh, he needs to be encouraged to do more, you know, when he has less time, I mean, when he has more time for his board. And uh, if you can wrap up some other credits and don't be afraid of money because it, it helps with. We saw Michelle that was here in, in, in our church. 
by the time she finished high school, she had 36 credits for college. You know, and she's going to finish college in like two and a half years now, or something like that. And she just so if, if that is the situation, that's what we need to do for you. So, well, I'm just hearing that now. You guys have shown me that before. <laughs> <laughs> you can come and spend some time, you won't be bored. You know what I'm saying? So, that one is not a problem. So, that's one So, let him get into college credits.
first college, first high school in the community college. So, but it wasn't getting him anywhere. I was kind of a waste of time. And I was getting on this case all the time. That, you know, so, because if they, if you see that there is way there, you can pursue it, like it has been said. If there is no way, it becomes a waste of time. I saw that I was no way, it became a waste of time. But he was angry that I was pulling him out of Brazil. I actually had to pull him out of Brazil. I had to put out my food at one time. But he was already an adult at that time. I still had to pull him out. But it was like, no. I mean, this is because I was one sponsoring education, so I still had the same. So, but, <laughs> but the good thing was, you know, when he graduated, he came out in the open and came and said that, you know, he wants to find his mom and his dad, you know, for this and that, we, you know, we stood our ground and we got on his face every day and so on and so forth, that he's a better man for it now. And he said, oh, I mean, I was surprised. So I want to use that to encourage us that, look, kings may not like whatever it is we're doing. We should not be discouraged. Should keep doing what we're doing if it's the right thing. Now, of course, we're doing something that's wrong. All, all of us should be teachable, not just kids. Parents should be teachable too. But if we're doing, and that's why I love what we're doing here in, in, the, in this workshop, is that we're all learning, you know, and so on. So that we should not say it's only kids that can learn. Parents can learn too. And none of us got any parenting lessons. So we are learning on the job, so to speak. So we, we can learn, but we should never be discouraged. Now the other thing I want to see is the one on the academics and all of those other things which we are talking about. And sports. I, you know, I wish I grew up here in America. Because when we were growing up, our parents, if you have my parents did not want me to do sports, and I was very good. If I had grown up here in U.S., I would have been in the Olympics. That's how good it was. No, it's true. I would have been in the Olympics. I was good in sprints. Sprints. I mean, I would have been because maybe soccer, but especially sprints, because at the point in time the year, I was second best in the country in my sprints and in junior. I mean, I would. I was so good. My parents didn't let me do it. You know, so because they used to knock those things in those days. Soccer, spring, I mean, I was so good in all these things, but they never let me do it. You know, so that is why I think it is very important we have an opportunity in this country that we will pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so if we see any of our kids that are able to do these things, we should let them um, encourage them as well. And I want to say something about your little you know, my wife and I talk about it all the time. The way they have raised their kids, you know. So, Barbara, Julius and I, we had a short discussion yesterday. The other day, you know, I was telling him the topic and so forth. And then he talked about it and so forth. And he, he said one day, and immediately I told him yes. Because I know how they have raised their kids. And the time that they have invested, you know, they are doing it now. They are like, all this what I should be talking about and so forth, you know. I, I mean, I used to wonder how is that great? You know, drive the kids to Tucson, to Wedding, to Leeds, to that, and all of these things and so forth. You know, but thank God it's paying off for them now. Amen. Now, every person's situation is different. But if you can do it, everything we do for our kids will pay off at the long run. Yes. Whether it's sports, whether it's music, whether it's academics, and so forth. But one other point I want to say is Taneka, the thing you said, it is important that you try to give the right. 
you know, that's, that's all I would suggest. And if it is all academics, you know, maybe you should let him do sports. Is he doing sports? Yeah, maybe you should let him do sports because if it's the academic that's getting burnt out, you know, try the other things. You let him do some sports, you know, change various things and so forth, you know. But also, don't be discouraged by that program because many, many, uh, I have friends who are taking their kids to, to some very expensive, expensive, uh, extracurricular when they were young and then when they went to, I have a friend in California and so forth. Their kids went to some of the best schools and all this, but they could afford it and they spent more money and pushed them, pushed them. You know, one of them is my God, Sean. And, uh, you know, now he's a, you know, very good of what kind of medicine. It's not an orthopedic surgeon. Send me a note. I say your God sciences and that. You know, so they went to. You know, they were pushed, like you're saying. They were pushed in some of these academics, and they they wanted to be pushed. It's not everybody that wants to be pushed. So they don't want to be pushed. You push them, they push back. <laughs> so I mean, you just have to go with the flow. <laughs> you know, if you can push them and if they allow to be pushed, please push them because you will gain it later. And if one area is not working. Diversify. That's what I would say. Just diversify into something. See that anyone's in academy, maybe one semester. Don't do the extra academy. Let you go play sports that semester. And I come back to the academy, play that one. And just let it get mixed up because there's something that Brother Ken mentioned. I'll give you a bit. There's something that Brother Ken mentioned about the benefit of sports. You know, knowing how to fit into a team, you know, is very because in America here, teamwork. They don't let and compete and have to compete. In Nigeria, we know how to compete. Here in America, when they are young, they tell them competition is bad. But when they get to the workplace, they start taking that competition negative, right. you know, and start doing negative things to their peers. Because they never learned it when they were young. So that's one thing that sports lets these kids learn. Yeah. They learn how to be competitive, yeah. you know, and still be good. I mean, and, and not be enemies. You know, they, they really learn it. And learn to be a team. Yeah, they learn to be they learn to be competitive, and all the things that the young classroom doesn't allow them to learn, they learn this thing in sports. So it is very, 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 very good. Yeah, I was just going to talk about our friend in California. Uh, they have they have three kids. Actually, the the lady was here for the Arizona Women Conference, and right from the right from the beginning, they determined. I, well, good for them. Their kids are training too. They determine that their kids are going to go to the. They're going to groom them for the Ivy League schools. So that was the parents' plan right from the beginning. So this is trait strategy when you have you plan for your kids and they send them to I think there's a school in Texas in, in California. The, the school fees they grow is like five thousand.
And, and you have to not only invest in your kids, put value in your children. If you don't put value in your children and you treat them like they are nobody, then they are going to be nobody for you. But if you treat them like somebody, you treat them with, not that you, you don't discipline them, but let them know your expectations for them. Let them know what you expect from them. And then work towards it. I know this is copyright in front of me. I know they will be a grace and colorful. The way they are treated and bringing up their kids, they are on the right path. They might not. Well, I've noticed that they're homeschooling their kids. That's the plan. Both of them are working together to homeschool the kids. She has a job, all right, but she still, this, um, the little boy is already reading at one grade level. Fourth grade level. And this boy is out. out. He's only six years old, and she homeschools the child. So this is a good parenting skill, which probably transfer from her parents and his parents. So if we look at three good examples, we should call them for doing a good job right from the beginning. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah, I just wanted to comment from uh, Uncle Manuel's comment, and then from a parent and a child perspective. So as the um, oldest child, and now my a parent as well, uh, I think the strictness, um, you know, I got the hardest part of it, helped me to be who I am today, um, to, be, to be very, I, can, I mean, so many things that come my way, I can handle it. I mean, uh, people tell me that they don't even know how I do so many things. And I feel like that has, even though I was, it, was, it was hard for me then, it had a lot to do with the way I was brought up. You know, pushed them very hard and stuff like that, I can, you know, I, you know, glory be to God, I can handle so many stresses in my life at this point because of the way I was I was brought up. On the other hand, with the kids, you know, I also realized I didn't want to push them too much. And that was the balance I wanted to take from my own upbringing that even though I have that upbringing, when I start to push them too much, I realized that I don't want to do that. And some of the things that um, maybe I didn't need to do, like I just let Janessa go to prom. I remember talking to a computer, I was swearing I'm not going to let them go to prom. I wanted to my own Christian prom. I let her go. I've been. I, even I said, I'm not going to be around to do it. She wanted to go to prom. We gave her the rose. I let her go to prom. She just went on a senior trip. And these are the kind of things I thought I would never, you know, because I didn't go and all these things. But I realized that um, there, have, there has to be a balance to it. There has to be, not everybody's the same. And I bless God that, you know, I went, my kids are not, they didn't, they don't go the same way that I went. And I, that's what I prayed for. God didn't, God didn't uh, reward me for my, you know, rebellion then. So um, I let them do that. And then as far as um, repairs, you know, like even though my parents were strict and stuff, I noticed, I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but I noticed that they kind of try to repair it through my kids, through their grandchildren. As in, you know, the way that they, you know, how they do for my grandchildren and do for my grandchildren, maybe wasn't exactly what, it's kind of like they're doing that for my children now. And so that to me is a repair. And that to me is a, you know, is, it's something that, uh, you know, they, you know, sometimes when I think that, oh, grandma's going to give it to you. They will just, I see that my dad has changed. Okay, wait a minute. I was growing up, I was going through all this house. Now let them go, let them do this. I'm like, what? You know, so it's like everything has changed now with the grandkids, you know. So, you know, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you know, so 
anyway, but um, you know, I, I thank God, and I think that even though we grow up, you know, the kids say, oh, I'm strict and stuff, they can still make a good thing out of their life. They can still be successful, and um, it can push them. So no matter which way we grow up or which way our parents are, we can let that either hinder us or push us and determine to be successful. And, and, uh, and with the apologizing thing, you know, like I apologize to my kids all the time. You know, I'm, sometimes I'm not out of there. And I, we say that, you're out of there. I'm always out of there sometimes. Sometimes I may just say something, and yell, whatever, and I just quickly, the Holy Spirit just convicts me that you shouldn't yell, you shouldn't say that, you shouldn't do that. And I'll go back, okay, I'm sorry, you got a little, okay, let's go get a treatment and stuff. So I think we're all learning, and I think that God is going to help us to be better and better. No. I just want to make a quick comment too. Like um, I've learned to really learn, uh, learn to really rejoice with our kids because each of them are so different. So like my oldest daughter that's 19, she's just straight A. She does really well in school. Never had to get on her about studying. And then my son, you know, we've had some academic challenges, but he's doing better. And this year we rejoice because he had two A's, two B's, and two C's. I know some people look at C's like, oh my gosh, but no, that's rejoicing in our household. Because we come up, and then I talk to him like, hey, you did a great job, glad we're at the C level, what do you want to do next? And so he's told me his goals and his dreams, so I've really had to learn because on the other end, I was very lonely growing up. You know, I had a single mom at some point. I was in the house. I had to take care of my brother. It was very strict, so I didn't get to live the life of a child. So I did a lot of ungreat things. You know, I had children by the time I was 17. So on the other end, I think it's important that we are in our kids' business all the time, hang out with them as much as possible, know what they're doing, cheer them on, rejoice with them, because I remember I lived in a household where no one cheered me on about anything. I could do a lot of things well, but my sole responsibility was to take care of the house because my mom was a single mom. So I lived the life as an adult when I was a child. So I've learned with my kids, I still want them to enjoy life being a kid, you know, being kids with discipline, but to rejoice with them where they are and encourage them to do more and do better and not compare them to their other siblings or compare them to ourselves. Because um, I feel like my kids are already living greater than I am. So, Oh, and then also it takes like a whole community. Yeah, I've sent my children over mommy and daddy at Yemi's house. I mean, just crying, Uncle Peter, Auntie Christy, you know, to be an okay, like, hey, I need help. Like, this is what we're dealing with. I need help. And it's just helped so much, like, reaching out to your family and community to make sure they go on the right way. Let's transfer to the rest. Thank you. Quickly about that grandparents thing. Let me just warn you about that. Grandparents are known to have shame. <laughs> So, remember that. Known to have changed. Changed. Yeah, shield. I have two questions. The first one, about schools. Does it matter if the school is expensive or not expensive? Me and my wife are currently talking about that. To me, I... I kind of believe it. At least in the U.S., there's a minimum standard of education. The schools are pretty okay. I don't somehow believe you need to spend 30, 50 grand. Oh, yeah. So I don't know to what 
To what extent do you say, okay, this is just too much money for... Oleg? Oh, yeah. Even ice cream. Oh, yeah. That's a good question. Cut your coat according to your size. According to your size. According to your cloth. According to your material. Praise the Lord. So what I, I understand that because when we are raising our children, that is very important that when some parents may want to say, well, that man did this, we must try to do that. You may end up going to death that you cannot recover from. Don't try to imitate anybody. One, I, one thing, what, like my brother said, he said he believes that every college, uh, yes, every college uh, in this America, or at least the public schools, colleges, public colleges, they are doing a good job, but of course they are also these big Ivy League schools. And they have their advantages too, no doubt about it. But of course they are also expensive. But what I, what I believe, because I went to ASU, and somebody said, well, when I, I'm going to send my son to, somebody was saying he's going to send his children to Ivy League, and blah, blah, blah. it is good if you can afford it. And even some of them will even give scholarship. But their own scholarship method is a little bit different, which I don't want to talk about. But they have one own way of giving scholarship. They, they give scholarship according to if you're excellent, number one, if your parents don't have the money. So most of the people that want to send it because they have the money, they are not worried about if the child is groomed to be excellent and they have the money, Ivy League may not be able to give them scholarship, but they will send them anyway. So that is those people that we are talking about. So there's nothing wrong with that. Otherwise, why would they use their money unless they give it to the gospel if they are believers? But, take for example, this is what I want to say. For example, this Ivy League person and he became a doctor. And he's doing this thing. The other person went to U of A. And he became a doctor too. And they are all doctors in America. And they all, can, you, know, you may even be surprised that that one from U of A, I use U of A because that's close to us here can do the same thing that the one that went to to Ivy League school will do. Yes. The advantages, let me tell you the advantages. The advantages that I know is most of the schools, some people go there for to be in the among those senators. But if you see all the senators, all the politicians, they are from that Duke, Yale and uh, Harvard and then you know some it's like you know some bodies so that's advantage of that but other than that unless if you really want to but that does not come to the engineering level no 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 no. in engineering when you get your degree you prove yourself when you become engineers i found that i came from nigeria and i have my bachelor in nigeria and i just got much masters here and i got finally got a job and i'm you know, at the same level with all the other engineers okay so that's very important in politics, lawyers, maybe they need that. I'm from Yale, and you're from Yale, you become like a, a club. So they have those, uh, what do you call it again? Connections. connections. So that's, 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 that's I mean, the fraternity. So that is where people talk about. You want to talk about it? Yes, question. So the, you know, they are reaching out to other children. Like yesterday, my daughter, for the first time, she went out on a sleep date, 
you know, with her friends, she slept over at a friend's place. So I'm, I'm wondering, you know, for you parents out there that have you know, gone through this stage, um, is this, how do you pick, do you, do you have that option of, you know, Sleep out. Picking, picking that, you know, the family or the child, because I, I honestly, I couldn't sleep. You see? I just couldn't. I could not sleep. I, you know, I had a million and one thoughts in my head, you know, over, you know, what my child could be doing. So, is that, what do you do? Like, do you, how, do you research on the parents that your child, you know, I, I don't know. I just couldn't. Everybody we have an answer that have done this. Everybody we have an answer that have done this. You are not alone. I have the same fear. My wife will tell you that, but she can tell you more on whom we in fact I can say I'm not sure any of our daughters or any of our children went sleep over that they do. No, I can't remember any of them do that. Why? Because number one, they have to force the believers. Even believers in America sometimes they have guns in their house. So let me let you. <laughs> And uh, you know, yeah. there are many accidents with guns. That's a very good question. As a American, I'm glad you asked it. And, uh, you know, most parents are worried about that. And you should be if you are a, a, a Christian parent. Uh, a non-believing or non-Christian parent may not worry. You know, so my, my first advice is this. You need to know what your kids are doing. You need to wear where they're going. And parents need to be, both sides need to be involved. You know, don't take the word of the kid for it. You know, if the kid, if your daughter or your kid or whoever is going somewhere with another person, let them sleep over. Tells you that the other parent is there. Don't take it for granted. Call the other parent. You know, everybody needs to be in accountability. Call the other parent and say, what well, you know, I mean, my daughter is coming over. What, what are they going to be doing? You know, this and that and so forth like that. You know, so, I mean, because when we were younger, we never let our kids do any of that stuff. Because there's a lot of stuff going on in America, okay? You, you don't know what the other parents are into. You don't, I mean, your kids may or may not be safe. I mean, I'm not saying anything particular about your friends. I don't know them. But kids may, may, may or may not even be safe when they are there. So you need to know what they are into. And you need to let the other parent know that you know and that you want to know. And that you are engaged, not just, oh, my, my daughter is coming over and says, oh, it's okay, and then they just leave, and you don't even know whether they're there. You know, engage the other parents, you know, if you do agree that they should go over. First of all, like Pastor Peter said, hey, make sure that they are believers, because we don't know what they're going to be doing in their home. And even when they are believers, engage the other parents so that they know that you know and that you want to know. And, you know, and these things are very important, but I don't feel comfortable with it. When we were, when we were, you know, when my kids were growing, there was no such thing as sleepover. Occasionally, occasionally their friends would come, and it was always like a bias. Okay, why can't my friend come? And why can't I go over there? But well, I don't know what they're doing there. <laughs> I know what you're doing here. You know, so engage your other parents, make sure they know. But you know, I don't think the sleepover thing. I don't think it's if your kids don't sleepover. You know, they will still be alive the next day. I mean, the world is, the world is not going to come. It is overrated. <laughs> yes, it is very, very overrated. Yeah, I, you know, it's something that we, we, we never allowed when our kids were young. Yeah. Want to say something more? 
You know the song?
and we just went to the we are not in this place where we normally go to church. <laughs> so they have a Christmas pageant or Easter pageant, something like that. And in this church, a, a, maybe first school, I can't remember one of those gospel church, they are announcing that it's going to be on that Sunday, it's going to be a Christmas pageant where they're doing the crucifixion of Christ, something like that. So we all went to that church. That crucifixion that they did, it's like a drama. They did a drama, the pastor was the, was the one that met Jesus and how they crucified Jesus and, and they did that and we all watched it. And then they invited people to come and give their life to Christ. I'm talking of many years ago now. And that was when my daughter, Joy, that is now a parent, stood up and went forward. Which means that story touched her. Well, you may say maybe she has not been hearing it. We should be hearing it. We've been all of this stuff, but I'm, I was impressed. That's why I said you have to go to the evangelistic places where you go, even though you have been doing all these things, you have been bringing them to the same church. But one day it will click. That is about salvation because many people can testify when they got saved. It's not because they were raised children, Christians, not that they were raised Christians. That day will be when the Lord touched them. And one by one, everyone can give a testimony when they really, when that sermon, when that gospel clicked, that changed their life. And that is really what matters. When you say, well, how did these people, they raise them, where well, how did they turn now, right? Maybe Christ has not really touched them, they are just church goers. So that is one thing you have to keep in mind as you are raising your children, and you keep bringing them to all the places, evangelistic crusade, go there with the children. And you don't know when the Lord is going to really make what they have been hearing now. Click. Okay. Yes. Well, this one thing I wanted to say, I've been listening to all this and I'm sitting down here my soul just searching so deep. Because kind of the level with us is that Christian and I almost in the same line There's no the I keep going to the word balance. You can have three kids grow up in the same house. They drank the same mother's breast milk. They ate the same thing. They did everything together. And the one, the one child is different from the rest of them. Yep. So I really believe we just have to just pray because you can do all you can do. And that child still comes out there. But I tell you what my parents did, and I see my mother in law do. With my parents, when I was growing up, should keep an eye on who your friends are kids with. Don't be ashamed to say I don't want this kid in my house no more. But then my mother in law chases some. There's one kid that used to come to my house to play with Lincoln. My mother in law would chase a mile before she went into the house. Tell her, somebody said, You're not coming here, tell her. Before Lincoln would even find out that she's even there. So she would chase her. Well, I know my mother used to do that a lot with us. Chatting like, boys or even anybody. It's like, No, you're not coming. If I ever see you with that kid again next time, you're going to see what I'm going to do to you. Because these parents, they see these behaviors, they see those things. Because we can do what we can say as parents. The peer pressure for them, when they're out there with their friends, is really, and you take in mind, they spend a lot of time with these, these other friends in school. It's just like how we spend time with our co-workers. They spend a lot of time with these their friends in school all day long. So we need to just keep an eye and pay attention to what they are doing, who they hang out with, who they communicate with. And actually, my wife knows we we get in their business. We, I'm friends, I mean, I'm parents, but I like to know who their friends are. 
So I like to go to their parents' house and see how they behave, how they act. And the ones who don't like because they look, you can't see this person anymore. And why? Because this is not the democracy. This is that's one thing I wanted to share too with everyone. Give the pastor. Pastor, wrap up. I just wanted to give some real practical um, advice to what he said, talking from a parent experience and from a teacher perspective, um, teaching in high schools and stuff. I've seen a lot of stuff with kids. Um, but from the parent perspective, you mentioned something about raising a girl. And um, I just want to say, real practical though. Um, Kids learn what they live. So I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of, sorry to say, brethren, whoever, people, they go to church and do a lot of things, but their lifestyle, what they live in their home, the kids pick up on that. So it can be Bible study every day, going to sermons, doing all that stuff, but it's a lifestyle of the parents. I was fortunate to see a lifestyle. What the things that I see and do today is based on what I saw my parents do and don't do. And I still stay in my marriage. My mom and dad never did that. So whatever I see, what those kids see on a daily basis is what they're going to live. It doesn't make a difference you take them to 10,000 sermons. If you get down to your house and you're fighting with your spouse, you're calling names, you're doing this, you're gambling, you're doing whatever, just whatever you're doing, that's what the kids are going to pick up on. You know, and a lot of, a lot of Christian lives, you know, they live sick lives, just to be honest with you. The second thing is as a teacher, I've seen a lot of things with, with um, kids. Um, I pull them aside all the time. They're always crying. Something's always happening at home. This and that's always happening. I pull a lot of girls outside. They're always crying. They're always doing this and that. And you mentioned because you had a daughter. And something that I think that's very important, fathers need to have a very special relationship with their daughters. Because, um, I'm not, you know, and, and, and boys too, but for girls, when they grow up, when they don't look for that attention from a man. If they have that special attention, a lot of times girls get into stuff because they want attention. And uh, a boy will manipulate them, or a man will ma manipulate their mind. And if, if that father has a special relationship with that girl, you're telling her she's beautiful from a young age, everything that she needs, she's getting from her father, she will not look for it from a man outside. And a lot of times, girls are the ones that fall, they will, they will do some rebellious things, they do whatever, because a boy manipulates them, or a man manipulates them, or whatever. But that father, because a lot of fathers are busy, they're not in the home and they don't think it's important. They think it's the mom's duty yeah. to be with the girl. It's very important for fathers to have a special relationship with their daughters and make them to be, by the time they want to find out a husband's coming for them, they have such a high standard and they will not fall for anything because my dad has treated me so well. My dad loves me. I don't need me. I don't need this. I don't need, what are you going to do for me? And so it's very, very important. All right. Well, thank you very much.
It's a lot of work. So we applaud you. We applaud all the people that are doing a good job. And we applaud Brother Julius for, <laughs> for uh, taking this seriously. Let's put our hands together for the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord.